Hey, everybody. This is the show where we are incredibly inspired by the love and change that local nonprofits bring to their communities. And we believe that speakers and nonprofit professionals deserve the chance to share their stories, collaborate, and network with their communities and sector. So without further ado, you're listening to Nonprofit Connect, a podcast by Rogue Creatives hosted by me, Matt Barnes. Let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Nonprofit Connect with Matt Barnes. I am Matt Barnes. <laughs> and with me, as she almost always is, my assistant, Tiffany Pope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, don't forget about me. I just introduced you. Like, seriously. <laughs> you gave, like, I, I, it, it was five seconds and you're already on me about it. Yep. <sighs> you guys, this is my life all the time. Welcome to the podcast. For those of you joining us, maybe for the first time, this is a podcast where we're just really want to facilitate connections between nonprofits. We just, you know, the phrase better together been overused. Like mm. it's become cliche, but mm-hmm. it's actually, I mean, it's good. It's true. Yeah, it's it's, true. I, I think it's been overused because it's so true. And when we look at the world of nonprofits, we see that there's not a lot of collaboration a lot of times or learning from each other or, or opportunities there. So we've started some live events here in Orange County, California, Nonprofit Connect events here to help nonprofits connect. Mm. And then we've got this podcast and we bring on great guests and we hear amazing things from them. And we got a really good one today. So before we jump in, though, last night, I'm a little older. I'm about <laughs> to turn 45. Tiffany here is 19, my assistant. So obviously she's more, you know, hip with what the kids are doing <laughs> these days, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I am, how would you say it? Out of touch? Yeah, and not with the trends. Wow, rude. I threw that out there as a chance for you to, <laughs> to say, no, no, no. Like, yeah, that's you're not cool. Happen. You get it. You're hip. <laughs> you're with it. Nope. That's what the kids are saying, right? Hip, yeah. hip and with it. Yeah, yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah. So last night she sends me some TikTok video Mm -hmm. of kids sitting on the (laughs) stairs and then they're singing and she's like isn't this hilarious and i'm like i don't understand what's happening here (laughs) and i show my wife and she's like i don't know we have no idea like i feel like most of the people listening are probably on my side of this what was that okay so basically your family like sits on the stair steps and you guys start singing to bad romance from lady gaga and but you only sing the intro. Who who does this? <laughs> the people in that video or lots no, of people are doing yeah, this. Lots of, it's like a challenge. Oh, it's a challenge. Yeah. It didn't say that. Well, it didn't say any like <laughs> I have no context and the kid did not sound like he was singing bad romance. That's I know that's the boy. <laughs> the kids start singing and then everybody starts laughing and then they go, oh, we gotta do it again or something like that, and then it's over. And I'm like, I don't know. And then Tiff is like, I'm cracking up <laughs> over here. Yeah. I, I really was. But yeah, they're just singing so bad. That's why it's so funny. Oh, man. I'm on the trends with nonprofit stuff. Things Mm -hmm. for this podcast. Things Mm -hmm. for my job, for what we do here. (laughs) But I am definitely not on the TikTok trends. Yeah. I I don't know. So I rely on, we can all rely now on Tiff for perspective on these things. Yes. And if you know what she's talking about, then you're doing better than me. I don't know. I can't keep up. It's I can't keep up. It's too much. It's yeah, too much. Anyway. All right. Let's get to what we're here for today. We've got a really great guest joining us today. His name is Dr. Rob Harder, but he's just Rob. 
Mm. He's, you know, he's not just he, Rob. He's not. He doesn't seem like the guy who's like, please call me doctor. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? You know, yeah. those people, right? yeah. And if you're listening and you're those people, that's OK. But, uh, you know, I don't want to offend anyone, but he is the CEO of the Christian Center of Park City, a faith based humanitarian organization that's been transforming countless lives as serving as a beacon of hope and assistance. He's been there since 2010, and he's been really guiding them in their mission to meet people at their point of need. And we had a really great conversation. He's a really great guy. I'm excited for you to hear what he's been doing, what he's been up to. And I think there's a lot for us all to learn here. So we will get to that conversation right after this brief message. Okay, bye-bye. We are brought to you by Rogue Creatives. I started Rogue Creatives in 2016 because I saw so many people doing amazing things, like life-changing work. And either they're spending all their time trying to figure out how to connect with people and get their story out there instead of doing what they love, what they got into it to do, and what they were good at. Or they ignored all that and they just did what they loved, but not enough people knew about them. Or nobody knew about them. Even worse. My background is in education and organizational leadership. When I was doing my master's in education, I learned that the best way to educate someone to connect their heads and their hearts is through story. In my organizational leadership program, I learned how to help an organization define its character, its voice, its values, its personality. So I took the best of those and I combined them to create the strategic storytelling framework that we use at Rogue Creatives to define an organization's character so that we could tell their story while freeing the organization up to do what they do best. We've helped dozens of nonprofits define their personalities and increase their reach as they bring new donors and volunteers into their stories. And as you well know, more donors means more money, means more people getting the help that they need. And that means the world's becoming a better place because of the character in your story. So get started today by visiting roguecreatives.com slash NPC. That's NPC for Nonprofit Connect. And schedule a free brand consultation and take our free online brand character quiz. That's roguecreatives.com slash NPC to begin defining your brand character today. There's no commitment or risk for you at all. And come on, don't you want to meet us? We're super fun, I promise. Rogue Creatives. Seriously, creative storytelling. Okay, enough from me. Back to me and our guest. So I'm here with Dr. Rob Harder. Doctor, that's got to feel good. It's official, I know. <laughs> First people start calling me Dr. Harder. I'm like, wait, who is that? Yeah. Is that my dad? Or so yeah, it's still odd sometimes. I, Rob is much better, but it, it's nice when it's an official title. Yeah, for sure. You work hard for it, you know? No, we'll think that's right. That's very true. Yep. <laughs> so thank you. My sister has a doctorate, but I have two masters. So I said I'll call you doctor if you call me master master. I like that. But she won't do it. <laughs> she refuses. Yeah. Yeah. Straight up refuses. All right. Before we jump into everything, we always open with a segment I we call random questions. And that is because I have a list of really random questions. And then I have a randomizer that selects three of them. So okay. double random. Are you ready? Oh, wow. This is. Whoa. All right. Okay. Here we go. What is your favorite time of day? Oh, great question. I think in general, it's the morning. Okay. I like getting up when it's fresh. It's early. Either I go on a run. Depends on the season, of course. If it's winter, I live in a place where I can go skiing in the morning. For work, I like to get going early and get things moving. So I just feel like very productive in the morning. You're one of those. <laughs> I am. That's exactly right. I don't have a choice anymore with kids. I used to not be a morning person, but now morning person no matter what. 
Yep. Yeah. It's funny you say that. I was talking to a friend just the other day, actually, just about this very thing. When we had kids, that's when it switched for me as well. Yeah. Like you have to be, if you want to get things done and take care of your kids yeah. in the morning, you just got to get used to being a morning person. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no choice about it. Five kids banging on the door at 6 a.m. is uh, <laughs> the thing, right? Dad, you are getting up now. Yes. And then I get up and I go and they're like, no, no, no. We want mom. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's probably true. That's You're usually exactly right. how it goes, actually. But. Okay. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> All right. What is your favorite guilty pleasure food? Oh, my goodness. Any kind of dessert. I don't know, move from food to dessert because that is a real food. Oh, yeah, any of course. Of yes, that's a food group. <laughs> I'm a huge chocolate fan of about anything, anything peanut butter and chocolate, actually. That combination, Ooh, yeah. that can be kryptonite for me. So, yeah. Is I'm, it more of a dark chocolate or a milk chocolate? Oh, that's a good question. You know, when it's peanut butter and chocolate, I like the milk chocolate. But if you're just having a chocolate bar, dark chocolate is my favorite. In fact, there's a place called Ritual Chocolate. It's just based out of Park City, Utah, actually, where I live. And it's incredible. You can find it in Whole Foods. They're based out of here and they have the best chocolate. And a lot of it is dark. And it goes from dark to darker chocolate, right? Wow. So this percentage or whatever. And it's phenomenal. In fact, they have this drink that's literally drinkable chocolate. Whoa. And it's just straight chocolate. Wow. It is amazing. So if who you like I, chocolate, great place. Who do I reach out for to invoice for that commercial? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I should ritual chocolate PO box. <laughs> I know I got to tell them, Hey, I'm advertising for you. Right. And they have a coffee shop nearby. So it's great. So it's a very much a temptation every day. Nice. Last one. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? I would say I'm an extrovert, but I'm becoming more of an introvert over time. I don't know if you've experienced that over this extroverted side, like extreme extrovert for many, many years. And I've found just, I'd say the last probably 10 years, I'm becoming more right down the middle. Like I really enjoy my time by myself and I still really enjoy time with friends. So push me against the wall. I'm still an extrovert at heart, but it's amazing how much I really enjoy solo time. Like I'll go skiing by myself sometimes, which is not a normal extroverted activity, but I love it. You know, it's a nice recharging for me or I work out by myself. And so I'm finding more and more becoming an introvert. So I don't know if that's just age or life. I don't know, but I'm almost down the middle now. Do you have kids? I do. Yep. I mean, for me, I have the same experience and I think it's kids. Yeah. You don't get time off. So suddenly Good point. you're like, okay, I, I get my energy from people, but not when it's constant. Like <laughs> everyone needs a break yeah. sometime, man. <laughs> right. Remember, now this is more for moms maybe than dads, but I remember that joke and it's not a joke. Like this is true. Like people said, to parents, they did a survey. When do you finally have time alone going to parents and kids? It's in the bathroom. You actually get a chance to close the door. <laughs> and so some moms were like talking in the survey about how that's where they text and they get a lot of work done real quick because the door's closed and they can be by themselves. Yeah. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> I think a lot of dads probably do that. They just don't talk about it. My kids, though, <laughs> if they find I'm in there, then they'll just stand right outside the door and like, dad, keep knocking. What are you doing, where dad? Are you? Come on, <laughs> dad. What are you doing? Dad. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, now that we fully know you, obviously. Yeah, that's the deeper question. Thank you for that. Well, that's really all that matters. So tell us about you, what your journey to the nonprofit world, I guess. How did you end up where you are and what is it that you're doing? No, great question. Yeah. So long journey short, I started the nonprofit journey actually as a faith leader. I was a pastor at a faith community for many years, actually. And so that was my first entry point into the nonprofit world, if you will. Loved it. A great experience. I love working with people. Again, I'm an extrovert overall and 
really enjoyed the opportunity to both combine serving the community with the spiritual aspect of what a church would bring. So that was really, really a big part of my life for many years. And then I switched, we moved from Colorado, the Boulder, Colorado area to Park City, Utah, 13 years ago. I can't believe it. It's gone so fast in many ways, but it's been 13 years now to lead a nonprofit organization that it's not a church, but it sounds like a church. It's called the Christian Center of Park City or CCPC for short, but it's not a church. We don't have you know services. We're not tied into any denomination or any religions specifically. We actually work with all the churches and, and I've been involved with the Interfaith Council for a long time, but my experience in the faith community has really informed me in what I do here. And there's certainly an element of we work with churches and we really want people to feel comfortable here, regardless of their background. So that's been a really fun, if you will, additional experience now the last 13 years of working in an even a broader scenario of a nonprofit that's more humanitarian in its focus than just a church that's focused a little bit more on their spirituality. Very cool. And tell me what does CCPC do? Yeah. So we're humanitarian organizations, I mentioned. And so in short, we have provided all these what we really call a safety net of services for people that really try to provide service from three different stores where we can provide clothes and shoes and household goods, furniture, food. We have two food pantries. And then we also have what we call this rent assistance program, basic needs assistance. So people, particularly during COVID, maybe we'll talk about that in a bit. If you can't afford rent or you have a car repair you weren't expecting or a medical bill you can't afford, we have this whole fund that helps support people so they don't become homeless or lose their car or which is their source of income, you know, for a source way of getting to their job. And then we have a mental health counseling center. We started that about 11 years ago, and it's now becoming the fastest growing aspect of our organization. We have 17 staff just dedicated to that aspect of our organization. We have about 72 staff overall with our organization, but the mental health, I would say that aspect of what we're doing because of, I'd say after COVID, it's just the need for mental health is astronomical now, it feels like, and we're just keeping up barely with the need. And so we could grow. And I see that probably doubling in the next few years. I'm so excited to hear about the mental health aspect growing. Do you feel like the pandemic, which obviously exacerbated a lot of the mental health issues, helped to normalize getting help? I think you bring up a great point. Yes, I do. I think the stigma is being removed. And it's really interesting, Matt. I think generations, I have seen a big switch down with this latest generation, Gen Z. There, it's kind of like expected you're seeing a counselor or you've been to a counselor. Whereas I think that next generation up and even generations before that, it was no, you really have to have something really wrong with you to go see a counselor. So that image and that stigma, I think, is definitely being erased. And certainly with this next generation, again, it's just much more part of the nomenclature of every day. Like, oh, yeah, you need to see a counselor. That makes sense. Just like you need to go see your liver doctor or doctor to see you check on your liver. Well, let's go talk to a counselor to deal with your emotional stress that you're going through, the depression you're going through, the anxiety you're dealing with. So I do think that has been a great improvement, but you're right. The, the sad thing is the need for mental health has also increased at the same time. So that's a concern, right? For our community and let alone for our country. Yeah. I've been excited about how many more, you know, people I'm hearing that are actually willing to get the help that they need, but it is also obviously a concern that the needs are higher. But I think, as you alluded to, the needs have always been there, but it was so kind of taboo. I think the pandemic did bring out a lot of that. What I'm hoping is that even, you know, more nonprofits 
see that as an integral part of, depending on obviously what they do. I mean, you know, an animal rescue probably is not going to be part of this. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we work with a lot of nonprofits that work with kids and really looking at where does mental health fit into that and how do we address that? Because the traditional thing has been the food pantries and all of that. Like, we're going to meet your physical needs, but not really addressing or helping them address the issues behind some of the reasons that they have those physical needs, you know. Sometimes it's mental health issues. So I love that you guys are kind of leading the way on that. That's really cool. I'm glad you mentioned this because I think it is something that we need to continue to have conversations about. The need continues to grow. And so now I feel like it's something for nonprofits to really consider how can they integrate mental health with a lot of their other programs. And that's luckily we kind of the way we've set up. We've got these three vastly different departments in many ways under one roof where we have a mental health counseling center. We have several food pantries, right? And then we've got these thrift stores that really then provide these, whether it be furniture and clothes, as I mentioned before. So to have that all under one roof. And then of course we work, we actually have homeless services as well. So people come through and just walk off the street into our organization. We have multitude of things to help them with right here. We don't have to say, well, go to that place. And then after you go there, then go over here, this other place in town, we can do most of it. And then we have People's Health Clinic is a great nonprofit partner that does a lot of the medical providing for those who don't have insurance. And so come between them and us, we can really provide a lot of what you need, at least as an immediate need. So I think that integration again of mental health with other outreach services and humanitarian work is really critical. Let's talk about that for a second, because you just mentioned you've partnered. One of the big things that I am advocating for constantly is looking for ways for nonprofits to work together. And you've got three different areas that you guys address. So you have a wide berth there, but there's still things that you don't. And you've partnered with, you said it was a nonprofit health clinic. Yeah, that's right. Which is really awesome. But I find so often that people are hesitant. Nonprofits are hesitant to partner together. And I have a lot of thoughts on on why that is. And I've talked a lot about that. But what are your thoughts on that? Why do you think that's an issue? And then how did you sort of overcome that and just say, no, this is what we're doing? Great question. Number one, I think the reason why it's difficult, donor concern. Hey, you're going to somehow maybe steal my donors or more people are going to get excited about your nonprofit. So I think that's kind of the root of it, honestly, is what I find. And then the second thing is just really that taking that extra step of intentionality. I think a lot of nonprofits are really swamped. They're doing a lot of different things. And I get it. You get tired and you just, it's one more thing to do. And that is difficult, but boy, it is so worth it. And so why is it so important to me? And what have we done to do this is I think it's just part of who we are. Like we've just said, that's exactly what is part of our mission is to network with other nonprofits. And why that's so important is a couple of reasons. Number one, it keeps you from duplicating services, right? You can be really clear, hey, we're never going to go into the medical provider role because People's Health Clinic has that. Go, great. Let's just make sure we're really giving warm handoffs for those who come for food and clothes and mental health. Well, let's do a really nice handoff to them to make sure that they get the medical help that they need as well. And then it also helps you with mission drift. That's also something that's really a struggle with nonprofits. They have a grant that's kind of dangling out some money out there and they're like, oh, let's do that. That sounds great. And it has nothing to do with their mission, right? And so then they will, to get this grant, well, let's go ahead and start this program that someone else in town is already doing, but we're going to get this great grant and we really need this money. So that's where you get into trouble. And I think that's another reason why sometimes nonprofits can end up 
stepping over each other because it's chasing grant. That's really at the end of the day, what they're doing. And so I think when you have that collaborative spirit in a community, which again, I'll have to say, I've shout out to Park City. It's a great collaborative community. Boulder, Colorado, very similar, very collaborative in many ways. And it does make a difference. And donors really want you to work with others. That you may be seeing this, Matt, in your experience when you support nonprofits. It's interesting with donors. Sometimes I've seen this now with grant applications. They ask you, who else are you working with on a regular basis? Talked about their programs. Tell us what you're doing with them. They want to know that you're collaborating. And that may be a criteria by which they either fund you or not based on, are you collaborative? So I think that's actually a pretty good move. I mean, you don't want to be too heavy handed with it, but I do think the fact that that's part of the process is a really good change. Totally. I love that. And I love that you're seeing more of that. It's such a challenge. I think the two things that I keep running into is one, which you touched on, you know, with the donors, there's a scarcity mindset. There's this mindset of there's just not enough out there. And if, and what if I partner with them and our donor decides to take our money to that? nonprofit. And I just don't believe in that. I believe, I mean, not that that possibly couldn't happen. Of course, anything's possible, but I just really strongly believe there is plenty to go around. And I run into the same things in the for-profit world, to be honest, you know, like our agency, we do a lot of different design and a lot of different work, but I'm all about like, man, if we can partner with somebody else who's doing something that we don't do, and there's plenty of work to go around, I don't need to you know, try and steal their clients. So I'm never going to try and go after their clients or whatever. But like, there's another agency we work with that does everything we do except for video. So we do all their video stuff. And I never even talk to their clients about anything else because that's their thing. There's plenty to go around. And I think the nonprofit space is that. I think the other thing that I see that people don't want to talk about is ego. And it's such a hard thing because people who, especially in nonprofit space, people are passionate about what they do and they get into it because you're passionate about what you do. Right. And so, which is great, but the downside of that is that can turn into a little bit of a savior complex, you know, in, in a way of like, I have to be the one to do this and I don't want to have to need somebody else or rely on somebody else. And if we can eliminate those two mindsets, I think we can come a long way. And I mean, the phrase has become cliche because it's true. We are better together. And that's the whole thought behind Nonprofit Connect. Sorry, I talked too long on that one. <laughs> no, I love that. That's great. You're absolutely right. Couldn't agree with you more. Have there been challenges in that for you or has it gone pretty smoothly, uh, you know, as far as the partnering? Yeah, that's a good point. I think, number one, I really, truly believe that, that I think the Park City community is very collaborative when it comes to nonprofit organizations. And really, this region is pretty good. But yeah, I think you know, there's always a few bumps in the road in terms of expectations. I think you got to just be really clear on the front end. What are your expectations for each organization going into a specific project and then clearly laying out what is each role of each organization? So what are you responsible for? What are we responsible for? Just making that super clear up front. I think when you do that with expectations and lay out the roles as much as you can super clearly, then I think it goes really smooth. If you don't spend the time on expectations and roles, I think that's where you get into trouble because people assume and you get halfway into a project. And we're like, well, I assumed you're going to do that. No, I assumed you were going to do that. And we're like, well, I thought we talked about it. And that's where it becomes challenging. And then you can get some resentment potentially. But if you get that clear, I think, well, again, we've just had great experience with that. One example, mobile food pantry. We've been really developing that more and more and expanding that since COVID. We pick up about 33% more people by bringing food to neighborhood organizations or I should say apartments, uh, gathering spots where we bring food to people as opposed to just having them come to our physical food pantry here locally. 
And what we've done is people's health going to get in. We partner with them. They do a health clinic and health screenings while we do food handouts. We, you know, get food out to people. Another group called Mountain Mediation. They're trying to provide a little bit of, it's not legal advice technically, but it's helping you sort through, maybe you have an issue with your landlord, maybe an issue with your employer. They will provide some guidance anyway, where to go get help. Immigration uh, issues that may come up. We'll provide that. So we try to link up with other nonprofits so that when people come to say get food, they're not just getting food, they're having a full experience and they're getting all these other services as well. And again, we're bringing it to their neighborhood. They literally just have to come out of their door and walk a few steps and it's right there. Like, so we want to bring it right to them. So removing that access, which for food insecurity, for example, one of the biggest issues is access to healthy and affordable food. And so it's not just that, though, I think when it comes to help, that's also about access when it comes to immigration help and or legal help, it's access, right? So access by kind of eliminating that barrier really then gets all the nonprofits excited to say, hey, look what we're doing together, really making an impact in these families' lives. And that, that makes a difference. Yeah. And obviously food is a big issue and you're feeding people. That's important. Do you view food as for what you guys are doing as sort of a primary or as a gateway? And then also being able to provide those other services, is that a way to bring people in? I really like how you said that. That's exactly how we view it. It's, it's a gateway. It's really, it's a meeting point. Like our mission actually statement says, we want to meet people at their point of need. And so that's like a point of need food, but we want that to be a, absolutely a gateway. It's a great term to access all these other things from, do you need rent assistance? Do you need some help with medical care? Do you need some help with your car again that you can't fix on your own? Do you need just connections in the community? Are you having a hard time you know, working with your employer and maybe you don't understand things because there's a language gap? Let's connect you with the library and some of the, the free English classes that we're providing or whatever. Those kinds of things come out of that conversation, but food is often the presenting need, right? That's the thing they came for. And that is obviously one of those basic needs is uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's at the very basic level. Like you don't have food, you're in survival mode, right? I mean, you can't do much else. And in fact, it's interesting when people first come in, we have, again, a lot of unhoused and homeless folks that come through. They just need to stabilize a little bit and get food, get a few clothes, figure out where they're going to stay. And then they can start thinking about other things like getting their ID back or finding a job and getting some nice clothes to go for an interview for a job, you know, those kinds of things. So absolutely, we found that food is a great gateway. And then, as I mentioned, that mobile food pantry example, that's often what draws people initially, right, in the community setting even, but they really, oh, there's some health clinic. Oh, I need a health screening. Great. I'm so glad it's here. So it's just that next step for people because they did come for food initially. So yes, we definitely utilize that as much as we can. And it's again, been very effective. It's funny how that works in any area of life, really, though. <laughs> you know, you, you come from the church world, you do an event, you just do it and you get a turnout. You tell them there's going to be food there and everybody comes. <laughs> everybody comes. Same here. We throw a big party. If we don't say, hey, free, you know, we're going to have food. We get about half the people turn up. So exactly. Great way to get people in the door. I'm realizing that you have a, so much we could talk about and we probably should have you back sometime so that we can cover it all. But one more thing I want to hit on. You had mentioned COVID. Obviously, COVID upended the world, but especially for the nonprofits we work with, everything had to be rethought. And especially for the nonprofits who were working with, you know, people experiencing homelessness. We work with several nonprofits that are working in that area. And to be really honest, like one of them, in fact, you know, the first couple of weeks, and of course, you remember the beginning of COVID, we're like, oh, it's going to be a couple of weeks and then, you know, whatever. And then we kind of hit week three or four and I'm going, this is a bummer. Like they're just not able to do what 
they normally do or they they're probably and then i get this email that's like this detailed plan of everything that they've adapted and here's how we're doing it and here's but it changed for them so much of the way they do things made them more effective actually in the end because it made them more efficient and that year they ended up helping more people than they ever had before not to set you up for you know a potential letdown there <laughs> with setting the bar high but even for my business it, it really changed the way it forced us to do things differently and be more intentional. How did COVID affect you and the organization, both short-term and long-term? Yeah, that is such a good question because I think it has. I think those nonprofits that really were able to pivot. So I think the first thing I'd say, the critical term, I felt like the nonprofits that really were able to navigate most successfully were able to do quick pivots and be nimble enough to change enough about their organization in terms of how they met the need of whatever need they were trying to meet, but keep that structure strong enough where you didn't just fall apart, you know, and just become blob of what are we doing again? What's our mission? So an example for us. Yeah. So as I mentioned, we've got these three really critical services in the community, rent assistance, we have food, then of course we have mental health help. Well, during COVID, all three of those were needed. And in our community, everything just shut down immediately. Was I still remember it in March, once the word came out and then we were living in a resort town. So the resort shut down, the restaurants, everything shut down. And so people immediately thought, I'm going to lose my housing. I, where am I going to get food? And then I'm stressed and there's a, I have anxiety. Am I going to get COVID? So all those things were just became this huge issue. And so we actually clarified to say, those are the three key areas. We're going to really emphasize what our mission is. We already had those programs, but there were some other programs, not on the periphery, but I think they, we sharpened our focus. In fact, one example was we started the Latino Arts Festival for this region, and we realized during that process, you know what? We love it, and it's fantastic, and it's been growing since we started it, but that's not our core mission. We're not in an arts organization primarily. It was something that came out of our passion and the work we do with the Latino community, but it wasn't our primary mission. So we actually, one of our partnering organizations, Park City Arts Council, decided, hey, why don't you take this? We'll do it together this next year, but why don't you then run with this? This makes way more sense for you to be focused on this. This is your whole mission is arts and music, et cetera. And so I think it clarified our mission where we're best making the biggest impact with the resources we have. So COVID, I think, clarified that. And we have seen, again, the benefit of that. And now people know with those three areas, we're the primary organization in this region that uh, meets that need. That's cool, man. I love that. And I love that you, instead of just saying, hey, we started this thing, it's not our core mission. We're just going to let it die. You found somebody else who it did fit their mission and, and worked with them to hand it off so that it could live on for another day without taxing you and your resources. That's some good thinking there. I think when people can come together and solve these types of problems, I'm super ADD. And even in, you know, whether it's I'm working with nonprofits or I'm working with my own businesses, I can very much be like, ooh, shiny thing. Let's try this. Let's do that. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and sometimes that's great. You know, sometimes I see possibilities that other people don't see and they're actually really good ones. But I know 99 out of 100 of my ideas are probably <laughs> not the best or not the right time or not for me or whatever. And so I have good people around me to go like, dude, no, <laughs> but <laughs> please no. I think, like I said earlier, when you're a nonprofit, especially, and you're super passionate and you're seeing needs, it's even easier to get sucked into those things and to go, well, we could kind of stretch our mission to be that because you want to help and all those things play into it. You want to make it happen. So to have that discipline is rough. It's tough. But I like that you found the compromise of like, 
it doesn't mean it can't be done. It just maybe we don't do it. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's really great. Well, I have some closing questions that we always ask, but before that, any last just thoughts of maybe one really like what's been a really great lesson that you would want other nonprofit leaders to learn and know is what that you've learned. I was recently, you know, with my own podcast that we had some great conversations about how the nonprofit sector truly can be perhaps better than the business sector or the for-profit sector in answering the question of where do you find meaning and purpose? And that's really can be our secret sauce for the nonprofit sector. And I agree with that. And I started thinking about that, you know, how do we do that practically? What does that look like? And there's this great quote, Frederick Buechner is an author, and he has this great quote about where you can find your vocation, you know, fancy word of where would you find what you do and your job? What does that look like? And he said, it's where your greatest joy matches the world's greatest need. That's been a quote that I picked up way back in college. And, and it's really been kind of a guiding North Star for me. And that that is something that really motivates me to find out it's not just about what gives you joy. And it's not just about what the world needs, because there's a lot of needs out there. It's where those two come together. That's often can help you figure out what your mission is for your life and for your organization, for that matter. So I think that's something with the nonprofit sector, whatever that is for your community and the ability to adjust to as the community changes and maybe the needs of the community change, your ability to find out, okay, what are those needs to meet now? Again, COVID, we just talked about that was a clarifying opportunity to really clarify what are you really about? What are the biggest needs? And how can we use the resources we have to meet those needs in the way that we are best equipped to do? So I think that's something that I really learned probably more than ever during COVID because we were able to be so effective doing that here in our organization. So I think that's, you know, for your listeners that are nonprofit leaders and trying to figure out, you know, what do I do with my life maybe, or how do I make my nonprofit even more, you know, powerful and more impactful? Keep asking that question. Where's your greatest joy and what are the biggest needs of your community? And where do those come together? That's probably going to give you some insight as to how you can meet that specific need in your community. Because otherwise, I think if you think of all the great world needs out there, it's overwhelming. You know, these needs are so big and you may have something that you're not really good at or you don't have a lot of joy from, but you see it's a need. So maybe that's not also what you're supposed to do. So again, those things coming together has helped me gain clarity in my own life and for our own organization to really kind of find that secret sauce, if you will. That's great. And as you said that, there are so many needs in the world. And I always talk about how there are so many nonprofits out there and I'm always meeting new ones like you and what you guys are doing, but there's still needs. There still needs to be met. And I think we can reduce some of that by working together and being a little bit more strategic in the way we approach things. But I think also in the way we think about where are we most effective and where can we be used most effectively? That's really, really great. Man, that's good stuff. All right, closing questions. Within the diverse range of work that you do, where do you find the most joy in what you do? That's a great question. You know, yeah, going back to the greatest joy, I'll answer by giving a, something that just happened recently. So we mentioned these mobile food pantries that we're doing. And I give a huge shout out to my team, our food pantry team, our program team. So our mobile food pantry, you know, in many ways, going back to stigma, there's a stigma for mental health, but there's also a stigma for getting food, right? And so one of the things we realized, you, you just kind of intuitively know, when you go to a community, and you're kind of rolling out your vans and your trucks 
you don't want people to feel like, oh, you're one of those that needs food. You know, like you want to remove that. So our team has done this great job of creating really kind of like a neighborhood party. And so there's games over here, there's music and there's crafts you can do. And so we just created this kind of event. And then we have these community partners, people, South Clinic and these other groups that are helping to do a lot of things with us. And then the food is the primary thing still to come. And we put, you know, tents out and everything, but the whole experience doesn't feel like, oh, I'm going to get my, you know, government staple of food here. You know, like, no, this is a community neighborhood event. And, oh, it's cool. And this food's really good. And, you know, I get surprises for my kids and these kids are playing soccer over here and you can just hang out. We found that people actually stay longer. They interact with each other. You know, sadly in American culture, right? We don't always get to know our neighbors. And so having an event like this actually gets people out of their homes a bit, out of their apartments and connect with each other. So that kind of thing, I remember walking away from that particular event that happened that was a few weeks ago thinking, oh yes, we get to do this. This is cool. We get to create this opportunity where we just provide just this really fun celebratory opportunity for people to come out. And in the meantime, they're getting their needs met. They're getting some great food and they're finding out a little bit more about their health. They're learning about some education opportunities for you know legal help or whatever it is that they needed. And their kids are having a good time and all walks of life were there. And that really gave me lots of joy. And I was like, I'm so glad I get to do this. You know, I think again, to your listeners who are nonprofit leaders, this can be really difficult work. Humanitarian work or just nonprofit work in general can be very draining. It can be very lonely. So I think you definitely need to find those spots that fill your soul again and fill you with joy because otherwise it's just hard work and it becomes drudgery. So I'm glad you asked that question. I think it's something we probably ought to ask ourselves on a regular basis so that we stay, you know, charged up and inspired to keep doing what you do. Yeah. All right. A few rapid fire questions. What's the one thing that makes you feel connected? Spending time with people, quality time. Good. How do you connect to your community? I like to go to Ritual Chocolate and sit down and have a nice coffee and or chocolate with them. Nice. Who in the world of nonprofits would you most like to take to lunch? Oh, that's a good question. I'd like to take out Bono. And why I say nonprofit is because he has one is this organization. In fact, I've had the executive director for that nonprofit on my show, but never had Bono, of course, but I'd love to talk to him more because he spent so much time and he could be doing so many things with his life, right? But he's done so much in the nonprofit realm and particularly internationally and with AIDS and things like that. I would love just to hear, tell me more why you're doing this and why you're investing so much of your own time and money into it. Cause it's super impressive. I'd love to come. If you get to go to lunch with him, I'm tagging along. I'm totally, yeah. I'm inviting <laughs> you. Okay. You're first one invited. <laughs> I'm a big fan. And then who in the world of nonprofit community do you think we should interview next? Do you know somebody that we should be interviewing? Yeah. You know, I just had, you probably are familiar with that, John and Becky from We Are For Good. I'm not. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah. John McCoy and Becky Endicott, they run an organization called We Are For Good and they're all over LinkedIn. That's kind of their main social hangout. And I just had them on my show and they're fantastic. They've got tons of energy and excitement and they have a podcast as well, but they're really trying to create this community around conversations like what we're having about you know, how do we become the most effective sector we can? How can we become the best leaders we can? So I think those are two that are just great people. They've gotten lots of good energy. And another one I've had that is just incredible in her insights is Joan Gary. Joan Gary also has a podcast. She's some people call the Dear Abby of nonprofits. And I love that title, but there is something to that. She's just been in it for a long time. It seems like she always has these nuggets of wisdom whenever I've had her on my show. So I definitely recommend her as well. Awesome. And where can people find you? More information about what you do and more and you personally. 
Yeah, for sure. The Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. Check out my podcast. Just Google Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. Mine should pop up. You could also go to robharder.com, my own website. So we'd love to connect with you. And then LinkedIn, of course, is a great way. I feel like more and more people are pretty good when it comes to leadership directed to things. Just go to LinkedIn. You look up uh, Rob Harder and or probably the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast and I should pop up. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much, Rob. This has been great. We definitely have to have you back sometime. And congratulations on all the amazing work you're doing. Well, thank you so much. It's been an honor to be on the show. Appreciate it. Well, well, there you have it. This episode of Nonprofit Connect with Matt Barnes, brought to you by Rogue Creatives, is over. It's done. Finished. What are you going to do with the rest of your day? You're going to take the dog for a walk, maybe have some dinner. Before you do any of those things, could you do us a massive favor and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever else you listen to us? Obviously, you don't have to, but, you know, be very, very appreciated. Oh, and if you want to hear more from us, visit our website at npconnect.roguecreatives.com. That's npconnect, like nonprofit connect, dot roguecreatives.com. We'll see you soon. Nonprofit Connect with Matt Barnes is hosted and executive produced by me, Matt Barnes, with an assist by my chaos coordinator, Tiffany Pope. Production is by our amazing friends over at Fame, the B2B podcast agency, along with Belinda Carter Thompson and the team here at Rogue Creatives. Production lead is Luke Audi at Fame. Writing is by Sam Hollis at Fame and Matt Barnes and Taylor Bolanos from Rogue Creatives. Nemanja Koljaja of Fame is our audio editor and Arslan Yakub from Fame is our video editor. Creative direction is by Corey Hill of Rogue. Our artwork is designed by Hope O'Kelly and Joshua Marino at Rogue and Ian Salas of Fame. Theme music is composed and performed by Jared Atherton of Chapters. Luke Audi of Fame does our booking and our guest relations. Huge thanks to our amazing guests for joining us for this episode and to all of you incredible listeners for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, and I don't know why you wouldn't have, don't forget to help us spread some good by giving us a good review. Preferably, you know, five stars with lots of words saying how amazing we are on whatever platform you're listening on. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is. Also, tell your friends and subscribe so we can come straight into your potholes each and every time we have a new episode. For more information about Nonprofit Connect or to join us at a live event here in Orange County, California, visit our website, npconnect.roguecreatives.com. We'll catch you next time. This has been a Rogue Creatives production.